Hello, and welcome to Step Into Light. I'm Laura Barton. And I'm Michelle Jones. And today we are covering the entire book of Galatians. It's only six chapters. And it correlates with our lesson in the Come Follow Me manual, Walk in the Spirit, which is another great title that brings us to our discussion today. And as I thought of some of our discussions over the past couple of weeks, Michelle, I recognize that they build on each other. And so I wanted to look at some of the topics we've discussed and how it relates to walking in the Spirit. <clears throat> we've talked about being reconciled to God and how with a, contra- with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, we can be more open to being um, one with Christ and being able to do his work here on the earth. And when we are struggling in our weaknesses, his power can be manifest in our lives. And specifically, last week, we talked about being comfortable in the messy middle. And as I thought of that, I thought about how hard that concept is. And so I was thinking about ways that we could kind of wrap our mind around it a little more. When I think about the messy middle, it's human nature not to be comfortable with messes. We, um, We want... Our brains are set up so that we try to simplify information. So if we have a lot of stimulus around us, our brains will automatically try to simplify it and try to bring structure into a situation. So it's hard for us to sit in the messy middle, and it does take a spiritual aspect to get us to the point where we can kind of sit in those messes a little bit more. And I think it's safe to say that if we look at the plan of salvation, this earth life could be considered the messy middle, and we just where we sit in it and we turn to Christ. And so I was trying to think of a visual that could help us kind of understand that concept a little bit more. And I thought of the tree of life and Lehi and his vision of the tree of life. And we know that the tree of life is is the love of God. It's the atonement of the Savior. It is the fruits of the Spirit. But Lehi is in his messy middle. He's wandering in the darkness. There's filthy waters all around. There's a spacious building with people that are critical. They certainly aren't supporting him. And so what brings that structure to him in his, in his darkness? What, what gives him the opportunity to have peace in Christ? And that's the iron rod. And I can't think of a more concrete visual for well I guess a rod of concrete but like the iron (laughs) rod right is something that we can really grasp onto in that messy middle and the iron rod is it's revelation from God it's the word of God and we can find it in the scriptures we can receive it from our leaders and when we have a prayerful heart we can receive that revelation that allows us to walk in the spirit, that allows us to feel that peace in Christ when we're in the middle of messes. And so Paul's talking to the Galatians and he can't understand why they have they've felt that. They have felt what, it, what it's like to walk in the spirit. And now they're trying to go back to that messy middle and trying to create structure on their own without the savior through the law. And so Paul's trying to, trying to tell them, let's go go back to that iron rod and hold on to it. Anything we can do to wrap ourselves around it and feel 
our grass, walk, walking in Christ, instead of that feeling that we get when we're in that darkness and that mess. Paul is pointing him to this. And he says it specifically right at the, the very first chapter. Chapter 1, verse 6, he states, I am amazed at how quickly you, the Galatians, are deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are following another gospel. Not that there is another gospel. And so we can wander in that darkness for as long as we want, but it's always going to be that peace in Christ that grounds us. And he's really talked about this a lot because he just finished the Jerusalem Council where they were talking about the old traditions, how to introduce that into this into Christianity, how to integrate those things that have been the law of Moses for so long and so important in people's lives, and it's been a real struggle for them. And so that kind of brings us to our reading today. Yes, and I I like I feel like we could have so many conversations just based on this introduction and I feel like as we go through the scriptures we're going to come back to that and really hit on some of those things. I have to tell you when I started reading in Galatians and I read the outline for this um for this week's learning I was really excited because this is one of my favorite topics is the savior and how we walk with him because Truly, as everything else is a mess around us, if we have ourselves anchored to him, your visual is um, the iron rod, and that is something that's super easy to picture in our minds, how we can keep a hold of that. And I often think of just holding my hand into the robe of the Savior and just holding that as when it, and in, in that moment, whatever else is swirling around is okay as long as I'm holding on to him. So as we look, you know, the, the people of Galatia, they are, you know, they're, they're, they're a little lost right now. They're trying to make their way through this, probably just doing the best that they can. And they don't completely understand that everything doesn't have to be everything doesn't have to have a concrete answer or a set um, pattern in order to be able to move forward in faith. So in chapter 2, verse 16, I think is where it really starts to, um, where Paul really digs into teaching them and getting them to think about the spirit and walking in the spirit versus the law, which they seem to be really heavily focused on and relying on. So I'm reading from the King James Version, and I'm actually just going to read part of this verse. He says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no law, sorry, for for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And some of the things that I was thinking as I read that are, you know, there's, um, that the, that there is a place for the law, that that is part of what we are here, that the Lord has given us a law. There's the laws of here within the church here on earth, but then there's also eternal law. And that in some ways, maybe what he's referring to here is a little bit of the outward signs of our religion, that they're just not as essential as our inward focus of our faith and where we turn for our rescue. Okay, so I love that that's where you started because I remember reading in Acts 
about Paul and thinking about the transformation in his life and why he's such a great missionary. He was so engrossed in the law of Moses. He actually expressed in Acts. So we know that Acts is literally the Acts of the Disciples. And then after that, Paul goes, shares the letters he's writing at this congruently with these acts. And so I remember reading kind of his words, and I haven't gone back and looked at them, but he expressed how much he loved the law of Moses. And if you've ever read the law of Moses, I actually was, I decided to read some of it at that same time. It is, I read most of it, and then I was like, this is ridiculous, because there are thousands of of things you need to do, and there are hundreds of commandments. And yes, every single one of them actually points you to Christ. It points you to the coming Messiah. Those laws of Moses were um, laws of sacrifice, laws of redemption, justification. You bring the purest lamb, the first of the flock that's pure. All of it's pointing to Christ. And yet, with all those thousands of, of things that you do with the law of Moses you kind of get caught up with those thousands of things and completely miss it. We know that the Jews get so caught up sometimes that they miss the mark. And so Paul loved it. He loved the doing of the law. And there was something about that as I read it, I recognized in his personality. It's that nice checklist. It's like, okay, these are the laws. If I do these laws, I'm good. I don't have to have that relationship with my father in heaven. He already told me what to do. I'll just check my checklist off, Mm -hmm. right? And for me, it was very easy to apply it in my life. My membership in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I cherish so much. And I love the programs of the church. I love all the resources we have. I love all the tools. But when you get more excited about the tools and the resources, and you forget that they're pointing you to Christ, everything's bringing us closer to Christ, we're missing the mark. And so it's not how we get to Christ. It's, it's, the, it's the getting to Christ. It's the being with Christ that's important. But all of, lots of us get there different ways. If you're a convert, you don't have the opportunity. Both of my parents were converts. I actually had the opportunity to attend primary. And I'm so grateful for what I learned there. But it's not so much how I got there. It's the, it's the getting to Christ that's important. But sometimes these laws or these behaviors or these things that give us the checklist, sometimes we find so much joy in that that we're not grasping onto Christ, that it's not our faith in Christ. And that's where I pictured, oh, you're back to wandering in the wilderness trying to organize the message because your brain likes that. Your brain loves all the checklists because it gives you a sense of control when you're really not grasping onto Christ and having faith in Christ. And so um, he, he says right after the scripture you said that he's been crucified with Christ. And in And it's no longer that I live um, by myself, but that Christ lives in me. And so the getting to Christ living in you and being one with Christ is where we're all trying to get. But we may get there through different laws or different behaviors or different checklists sometimes, which we talk about further. Right. So as I was looking at chapter three, because I feel like there's a lot in chapter three that we can talk about. And I thought, okay, to me, one of the big questions that comes to the surface as we look through these chapters is we walk by faith and grace, then why works? Like we are redeemed through our savior. We're redeemed like period. There's no exceptions. 
That's where our redemption comes from. And yet, what do works accomplish for us? And one of the thoughts that I had as I was looking through this that I think could be interesting as we read through some of these verses in chapter 3, um, in when he's speaking to the Galatians, he's or to the people of Galatia, I guess the Galatians, he's, you know, when we're talking about the law, as far as I understand it, he's speaking of the law of Moses, because that is the most recent... That is what the law has been in the church that was established on earth at that time before the Savior came. Yeah, and he specifically is talking about circumcision versus non-circumcision, right. which is specifically, specifically the law of Moses. Yeah. Okay, so we've got the law of Moses, but then we also have the laws of God. I know President Nelson has spoken recently about how there are eternal laws, and as long as we operate within them, we will be safe. So I thought, okay, so we have these laws of Moses, which is temporary for a time, and its purpose is direct us to the Savior. It's not eternal. It's temp- It's for a specific purpose, for a specific time, maybe even for a specific group of people within the church, like within, that are on the world, that are in the world, part of the church at that time. And then we have the laws of God, which are eternal um, truths that we will operate in always, even when we're not on this earth. And that I wonder if it's easy to look at these people, these new members of Christ church and say, oh, those, those, those people were so hung up on the law of Moses and, you know, we don't have to do, we don't have to worry about that because we don't have the law of Moses. And yet it seems to me that there are some very specific laws that we have been given in our day that are specific to living in mortality here in the church at this time that are not um, that are not necessarily eternal. Like I think of like the word of wisdom specifically as being something that is in our current day church that is a law that we're expected to follow, and yet I struggle to think that that's something that is eternal. eternal because in the days of in the meridian of time that was not part of what they were directed to do. Yeah, so we have our lower laws and our higher laws. And you're right, in different dispensations, it looks different. So what I have is in chapter 3, verse 24. Oh, I like that verse. I got that one. Um, It kind of builds us up for how, why is it? Why do we have this law, the lower laws? And it specifically says, the law was our guardian until Christ came, so that we might be made righteous in faith. And then it goes on to talk about kind of what I just touched on about in verse 28. He said, and through that, there is no longer Jew or Greek, nor is there slave or free, nor male or female. For all of you are one in Christ. Maybe the body of Christ there. Yeah. And you know what I thought of was that, you know, maybe people before they found Christ were pagan. Both in this time and now. Maybe... um, Maybe they were, Christ was not even part of their religion, but it doesn't matter. Once you have become part of Christ, we're one. And so this is where we get that analogy that Paul sets up for us about how we are heirs of God. And he, he gave us a couple of analogies. He gave the heirs of God and he gave us um, 
Abraham and his wives. So before we move into that part, I just wanted to add from the King James Version in verse 24, I love that the Greek said our guardian, and the King James Version says schoolmaster, which I think is interesting. We're learning. So there's a level of protection. There's a level of tutoring, of learning. And it does reference that as we talk about the heir. But one of the thoughts that I had is coming back to that question of, why works? What does that accomplish for us? Because clearly that is part of God's law for us is that there are works that are required that in some ways that works is the schoolmaster. It is how we learn how to come closer to the savior. Um, well, it is, it is part of how we learn that because it puts us in a position to understand the ways of God with more clarity so it allows me to like embrace grace in my life more fully because I understand with more depth and meaning and understanding as I'm thinking about scripture study or pondering or temple attendance or um, meditating in prayer that as I do those things, the benefit for me, like the significant benefit is not just in the obedience, although I do think that there is a benefit in just simply that, but the more that I mm, submit myself and humble myself to be, to want to learn, to want to have my understanding increased, it becomes so much easier to embrace the Savior in my life. So when I look at that on like a practical level, like we talk about faith in the Savior, so then why, why do we, why is it that what we talk about all the time in conversation is always based upon the doing of works. So, and I don't think the word works um, applies to to how we're putting it in context equally. I think there's a lower law and I think there's a higher law and I think works helps us in both. Okay. But I think that we're right now focusing on that lo- the works of the lower law and how it's like, that's our schoolmaster. And it does feel like, oh, in elementary school, you got this textbook. And that textbook and understanding led you to the next thing. And you had to work to get there. But there's a higher law, and in that law there's works. The higher law is um, loving your neighbor as yourself, carrying one another's burdens. But these all come through faith in Christ. That is a higher law, but there's still works associated with it. And I think also when, when you said that the higher law, even within the context of that learning, there is a higher law. For example, people at a high academic level that are pursuing new um, research or skills that have not yet been uncovered, they're still in that learning. So maybe that doesn't have very much clarity, but I'm thinking of it in terms of spirituality. There are very specific things I can learn by reading the words of others, but then there are things that I can learn only by communing with God, that only he can teach me. And I think this is where, this is a very deep question because I think that we're also getting into the letter of the law is kind of like the works and the spirit of the law is kind of like the faith part. And there's definitely grace that comes through faith. Absolutely. And I, I, I think that's just a hard thing to, to explain concretely. That through our works, we can um, grow closer to Christ. And through that growing closer to Christ, our faith is, in strength, is strengthened. And through that faith, Christ fills us with grace. And so 
I, for me, even though we're talking about works and, and grace and faith, it really goes back to just kind of a lower law and a higher law that we get to. We have the Aaronic priesthood. We have the Melchizedek priesthood. The Aaronic priesthood is works that prepare us for the understanding of the Melchizedek priesthood. And then the blessings that come with the Melchizedek priesthood come through a higher law, a higher standard, one where you're partnered with Christ. The Aaronic priesthood is works. It's this checklist. And, and our lovely young priesthood do these beautiful things to make sure that when we go to church, our chairs are set up and we can partake of the sacrament. They're, they're really doing these things that teach them and point them to Christ. And then we get into the higher law of the Melchizedek priesthood that partners us with Christ, where we learn to serve like him. And we are prompted by, those, um, by the Spirit to act on that Need, on the needs around us. And so for me, it, I, it's easier for me to kind of separate it as a lower law and a higher law. I really like that. And I also would say that our young women also have a similar progression for them. You know, as we look at young women in the church and they operate under their baptismal covenant, and obviously we have this program that is about to change, but up until this point, we've had personal progress, very goal-oriented very, um, I just got to give you a high five for the shout out to the young woman. Thank yeah, you, Michelle. Yeah, yeah, you got, I got you. <laughs> and, and I love that that is, it, it's definitely a training where there's, I mean, and so much could be said about the training that is going on there within the young women's organization. And it's definitely a preparation. And then as these young women become women who enter the temple and, enter into those covenants and partake of the priesthood power and authority that is there, then they are enabled to live a higher law and to be able to get that counsel in a more direct way from God. And it to, to me, it follows a very similar pattern as it does for the boys. And I'm so grateful that you said that because quite honestly, the reason why I started there and used that example is because it's easy. Here's a concrete example, setting up chairs, right? Right. And I think sometimes as women, we might get lost in the mix because in young women's, you didn't sit down and learn about the oath and the covenant of the Abrahamic covenant because, because it just wasn't part of our curriculum necessarily. I think that's changing now. I do too. And when you go to the temple, it's so obvious. And so um, the Abrahamic covenant is exactly what we're talking about here. Abraham believed God and was reconciled to Christ and God, and that's where he got his faith. And he was f over 400 years before Moses. And he was promised these amazing blessings of exaltation because of his faith. Abraham got there. Abraham didn't need that law of Moses. The problem is Moses took the Israelites into the wilderness. He came down from Mount Sinai with a higher law, and they said, no, thank you. That's too hard. I can't wrap my head around that. I don't want that right now. It's not concrete enough even, maybe. Right. And we, so... We don't know. We don't know exactly what was... Do we? I don't think we know exactly what was there. Well, we have... we have, So in the, in the book of Moses, it, it says that he was going to come down and say that everybody could be a priest. And they said... We aren't ready to like see the face of God. What is this? And he comes down, they're, they're hanging out with a golden calf. And they're, that's not the law they could handle. And so our minds, again, like to simplify things and make it more concrete. But Abraham was over 400 years before Moses. 
And when God gave him the higher law, he said, great, I have faith in that. And he said, you know what? Because of your faith, you are going to be the father of millions. And they're going to, and it's not because the Jews thought it was literally their genetic tie to Abraham. It's not. It's the faith of Christ. It's the being willing to do the higher law. And so when Moses came down, he came down with the higher law. They said, that's not something we can handle. Can, we can identify with that. Um, if the Lord came to me and said, Laura, I want you to do this, this, and this, and he just showed up in the room, that might be hard to, to handle. Can you please give me some stepping stones before you want to just say, okay, I'm part of your work. Go ahead and just give me revelation upon revelation. People need concrete experiences sometimes to get to a place where they can actually receive that. Um, and so that's what he's talking about. He's talking about Abraham came before Moses, and then Moses gave these toddlers who couldn't handle anything else a law for toddlers. That's what I thought of when I was reading Deuteronomy and Leviticus. It's like, you may not marry your, your sister. You may not marry your mother-in-law that's father died. And I'm like, hmm, it's a good thing that they got these concrete laws. So they knew not to do that. Right. I think that shows that different people need different laws that they can reach. So well, until they can actually become heirs of God. And I definitely can relate to some of your thoughts on that. I've had experiences where I have felt in prayer as I've been laboring over a specific concern or something that is going on, thought, okay, Lord, what do you need for me to do? Or how can I take action in having the Lord tell me this is going to, like, I've got a plan. This is going to work out. And I totally trust in that and believe that. And I still have a tendency to say, okay, but what do you want me for me to do? Yeah. <laughs> what is the step? What can I do today that will make me feel better about knowing that this is going to be okay? Rather than just sitting in. what can I do in... today to prove to you that I believe you? Right. That too. And that certainly puts it in a more flattering light. So I like that one. Let's but, stick with that one. But why? So... What is it when you're sitting in that and going, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. How come you haven't given me something concrete to do? Um, I guess we're just okay with that concept because he talks about how the Jews liked calendars. Do you remember that? There's like, we love time. Our time is not the Lord's time. Mm. Okay, here it is. What, he says... Which verse are you in? Okay, so I found it. It's chapter 4, verse... It starts in verse 8. And he actually just talked about him being heirs of God, right? And it, mm -hmm. and he kind of goes over the things we just talked about, that when you're a servant, when you're a child, you're almost just like the servants, and you need to be prepared. Heirs of God, or heirs of a king, right? You see in every book and story of these little princes and princesses being taught and tutored until it was time that they have to take over the kingdom. Right. But they're not they're They don't have all the powers and all the responsibility of the king until a certain time that they become the real heirs of that inheritance. And he said at that time, when you can get to a place where you can understand these concepts and you have been tutored enough, that's when you're an heir. That is when your partner's in with Christ, that is when you are not just that conceptual idea of being a child of God, but you're, you're waking up and you're a child of God and you know it. And then he says, 
okay, if you have an idea of this concept, Galatians, how, how, why is it that you're turning back? Why do you have the desire to be back in bondage and, and not have that lack and have that lack of freedom? And he said in verse, um, nine, you're desiring to serve him again. But then verse 10, he says, so tell me what yours says Four ten. You observe days, months, seasons, and years. Almost identical. So he observed days and months and times and years. And and we just love that. We love observing those concrete things that say, look what I did today. I woke up and I accomplished this. Look what I did this month. Look what I did this season. Look what I did this year. There's something about that that's very comforting and validating. And it is interesting to think that that is our human nature, that we enjoy being able, like I enjoy, I have a calendar app on my phone that I use to schedule all my things. And when I look at my day at the end of the day and everything that I've had on there, I'm like, okay, these are all the things I did. There's a sense of accomplishment and well-being that comes with that. And it's interesting because in the grand scheme of things, most of those don't even matter. They're in the category of errands, so to speak. So we do we literally just have to switch our mindset and find our accomplishment and looking back on our day and saying, this is what the Lord asked me to do today, and that is all I did. And we already know he's asked us to do a lot every day. He's asked us to turn to him. He's asked us to be obedient to many things. He's asked us to love the people around us. He's asked us to love our family. He's asked us to serve those same people. So quite literally, without any added um, revelation for something you had to do today, which was go to the soup kitchen and serve here, we have plenty of things he's told us to actually do in the day. But maybe because those are a default, there's not a lot of satisfaction in checking that off at the end of the day that you did what he literally asked you to do. And as part of that, just uh, the the ability to place the proper value on it. Um, and another thought that came to me as I look back through my day, like on, on most of my days, there are moments where I have um, the opportunity to have thoughts and understanding that come through the spirit. And wouldn't that be an interesting experiment to look back on my day and say, oh, I was taught in the spirit today when I was thinking about this and to see if that brings a level of contentment and satisfaction, knowing that I was able to be open to and learn in the spirit today, as opposed to my calendar app, which is useful as a busy mom. So there's the practical aspect too, but in terms of where we determine our worth and feelings of satisfaction may be slightly different than the practical tasks of mortality. Well, and I value what you just said very much. And so it may just be a shift in, in our perspective that at the end of the day to sit down and say, I was successful in loving the people around us. I can see a lot of satisfaction in that instead of saying I was su- successful in organizing this, this, and this today. And to recognize that that is just as 
um, intricate, challenging, involved, um, takes effort, inspiration, energy to love. And, and it brings me back to the, to the beginning of our conversation in that, um, that helps us hold on to that iron rod instead of just kind of wandering in darkness because Paul keeps talking over and over again about the slavery that comes as you're holding on to those works and that law and the freedom that comes from holding on to that word, to walking in the spirit. And so at the end of the day, there's a, according to Paul, there's a lot more peace as you recognize that you walked in the spirit than even that piece of that checklist of, I accomplished all these things today. If you can stand in that, there's a lot of strength in that. And I can see, you know, our whole, when you don't turn to God at the beginning of the day and you turn to the internet and you find the top 10 ways to be more efficient, the top 10 ways to look good, the top 10 ways to promote yourself for your job, the top, that is slavery. That is hard to wake up every day and go, what does the world need me to do to look good in the world today? That is slavery. That is a lot of work. And then even there's an in-between, right? Because there are many of us who recognize that what we need is the Lord and we're not trying to follow the things of the world. I mean, those things can creep in for all of us. But that in-between point is like, okay, I know that I want Christ to be the center of my world, so here's my, my spiritual checklist. And that that is also in some ways a form of bondage to the law rather than the freedom of saying I free myself from any preconceived ideas about what it looks like to be a follower of the savior today and I'm going to lead in the spirit um in chapter five of Galatians verse one he says stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and that really stood out to me because I love that. And maybe because living here in the United States of America, we're big about liberty. But um, I thought, okay, well, how has Christ made us free? Because to understand how to stand fast in that, it says that Christ has made us free. So stand fast in that. That is what we should stand in. And so I thought of a couple things, like the two most obvious things. One is the resurrection. So this is looking forward that we will then be in a perfected body free from disease and mortal weakness. So that's one way that he has made us free. But that's something... We... And that's a very temporal... Um, that is actually that temporal law connecting Christ. The resurrection is a literal connection to that lower temporal law of the physicality of things. So that's really interesting. Maybe it's not a coincidence then that I put that first. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing that I wrote is redemption, that he's made us free because we have redemption from the effects of living in this fallen world in all of its varieties, whether it be sin or just the weakness of our physical bodies or our emotional states or whatever that may be. Um, so what does it look like to stand fast in that liberty or freedom? So a few thoughts that I wrote down, but then I'm really interested to hear how that resonated with you. Um, that to me, standing fast in that, in that redemption of the Savior is to be anchored to him. And I spoke of that visual that I have of holding my hand in, in, in his robes and being anchored to him. But I think it's also to cultivate hope and to choose to remember 
the miracles, the inspiration, the things of the spirit that have brought us to this point and to embrace them, to testify of them and to continue in that, which I think connects a lot to what we are speaking of, that part of standing fast in it is what we choose to focus on. I love this because it's making me think of, we keep talking about the, how we don't want the checklist, but I'm starting to feel like because our brains need them, what would the spiritual checklist for Christ be to cultivate hope each day? Um, Paul talks specifically in chapter 5, verse 11, he said, I, if I still preached circumcision to you, I am not persecuted. And in that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. To me, that says, Paul cannot conform to the law of Moses anymore. He cannot pretend that that is going to get him where he needs to be, and he cannot endorse it for other people anymore. There's obviously good steps that take you there, but to say you have to do the things like circumcision, which simply set you apart as a Jew, he cannot do it anymore. He can't pretend to be comforted by that checklist. He can't pretend to make them feel comfortable because that's where they are. He said that there is this persecution of being separate and really being aligned with Christ and his teaching because he will not um, forget that Christ crucified himself on the cross. He can't tolerate it anymore pretending like it's not that big of a deal that Christ is there for us. He's not going to distract himself with the, the things that are just keeping you busy in the busyness. He is focused on Christ. And so what are some of the things that we can do to stand in Christ in the day? And of course, we actually get what the higher law is. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall bear one another's burdens. And so I don't know if there's a way we can come up with some kind of checklist to just say, you know, I'm going to love Heavenly Father's children as myself because I love Heavenly Father this day and I am grateful for Christ and his sacrifice. And in his grace, I know I have all things. How can I express that faith during the day? And maybe we just get up and look for whose burdens we can help bear and shoulder. And maybe know. maybe it's like the shortest checklist ever, right? <laughs> which is I am going to my 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 goal for today is to have the spirit with me and act when it tells me to. And maybe that's not something we have to concretely do, but at the end of the day, that is absolutely where we can get our satisfaction and sense of accomplishment. And I think, um, as I was thinking about, you know, that's a intent, like that is a, takes a lot of effort and energy to make that mental shift. We're taking a, a paradigm and a thought process that we've had over many years and that is reinforced in society, whether it's in a temporal way or in a spiritual way that we've got these, these steps of this alignment that we can make that if we are to truly walk in the spirit, it takes a lot of effort and energy to do that. So one, I think that's just a really helpful disclaimer. If it feels hard, that's because it's work. It takes work to get there. And then, so what is my motivation to do that? Why do I want to do that? Well, one, because 
could there be a greater joy than aligning ourselves with the Savior? Probably not. And I also love um, if we want some concrete things, since we've been talking about how our brains like that, maybe that's a helpful motivator. Chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 talks about the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. And I think that is the fruit or what we get to be surrounded by, the, the, the feelings and the internal state of ourselves as we walk in the Spirit. And, and, I, think that's, and I want that. I think that's my checklist. At the end of the day, how did I do? Is that where did I fall with these things? And that is where you can get that satisfaction and that joy is is from these fruits of the spirit is is really focusing on that. So let's close with what Paul closes with. He says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision benefits us. What matters most is if we're aligned with Christ. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you and in your spirit. Amen. 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 And I, the one thing that I want to add is that I think it's interesting how each of us came up with like almost a different version of what that check-in process looks like for each of us. And they are a little bit different and that that is part of the higher law. Ooh. That that how we look at it doesn't have to be the same, how we look at how we're connected to the Savior. All right. Thank you for following along with us. We'll talk to you next week.